if you hear them talking about ceasefire and Palestinian human rights, that's who APEC is targeting um, right. because they don't like that. And so, you know, I would say, even if you can't donate, a thing you can do is just show your, if you're in your districts, if you're in any of these people's districts, show that you support them, show that you stand with them despite all the vitriol, despite all the coordinated attacks that they're receiving. What they need right now is to see that the people are with them. Hi, 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 hi. Welcome to episode 207 of the Bituation Room podcast. I never tell you what number it is, but I did just now. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini. If you're listening as a podcast and you're wondering, hey, Francesca, what happened to episode 200? I've been looking and I saw 199 and then 201. Yeah, I forgot to publish it. Okay, that's what happened. It was a really good episode. We had Aaron Ryan on and we had uh, Jason Selvig of The Good Liars and I just didn't publish it. Uh, I probably was ready to and I fell asleep. That's probably what happened. Um, so I will publish that imminently and I apologize uh, in advance for lagging on that. But hey, you get two episodes uh, to listen to. Um, we have a great show today. It's going to be a different show. It's going to be a little chill, a little more relaxed. Um, I thought I was going to be uh, serving jury duty, serving um, right now, but I'm not. So, or at least not until this evening, which I might have to. Anyway, the point is thus, here we are, and I am really happy uh, uh, to have with us uh, Usama Andrabi, who is going to be joining me in a little bit. He works, he is the Communications director for Justice Democrats. Again, um, the little progressive nerds that would or that could. Uh, no. <laughs> the one, the only, the, the, the kind of one of our few hopes inside the Beltway, the Justice Dems. Um, and I'm really, really curious because there is a lot of new polling coming out, especially on the back of Biden's um, decision to completely endorse wholesale ethnic cleansing and genocide in Gaza. Um, new polling out about just how poorly he is faring with young people, with people of color, and then also specifically in swing states, and then also how bad he's polling against Donald Trump. Um, and it is a year out, uh, ex nearly exactly from the election. So it's good that we're talking about this. There is another, a few other elections happening right now. Um, abortion rights are on the ballot today in places like Ohio, um, in places like Virginia, who, that's voting on their entire state legislature. So there's a lot happening today. It is also the one year, uh, one year, excuse me, though it feels like a fucking year, but it's been a one month since the attack um, on Israeli citizens and that launched off this most recent and definitely most um, horrifying uh, war on Gaza and um, everything that's happened since. And my, oh my, what a lot has happened. So guys, if you're, if you're listening, uh, give this podcast five stars right now. If you are watching, um, you know, uh, like and share the stream subscribe do all the things click all the buttons all the whistles send in all the emotes we are on twitch obviously and um if you want access to more me more yapapapapapapa uh patreon.com slash room every friday we do a bonus show lately it's been pretty grim because we're mostly talking about palestine we're mostly talking about what's going on in gaza 
um, but it's also been really fun. So it's the the best of times and the worst of times over on the bonus bish. And thank you so much to patrons who've jumped on board. Welcome to the Frantifa. Um, your support um, truly is the only thing that keeps this show afloat. Uh, so if you don't think it uh, matters, it does. Is that... Like, if you think it doesn't make a difference, it really fucking does. This show has no sponsors. This show is ad-free. And you are the ones who support it. So thank you so much for helping me keep it going for so long. Um, and that being said, this Friday, your girl may be out. So I may be switching it to a Thursday, provided I don't have to serve jury duty. So stay tuned. For those of you listening in the future, none of this matters to you. Because, you know, we start and stop on your time all right um but yeah let us let us begin with this show we're gonna get into like i said polling we're gonna talk about what's happening on campuses in the united states specifically when it comes to speaking out for palestinian human rights um it is wild times right now uh but let's begin the way we always begin and ask what are you bitching about so it has been exactly a month since Hamas's attack on Israel. And in that month, uh, as many of us knew what happened, we have seen a uh, heinously outsized reaction. And not only outsized, 10,000 and counting dead now, uh, 4,000 plus children, but um, just out and out war crimes unfolding before our very eyes, right? Hospitals bombed, ambulance convoys bombed, refugee uh, 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 centers bombed. Um, like the deliberate bombing of and targeting of journalists, 38, 40 journalists, I believe at this point have been killed, uh, refusing to allow any humanitarian aid in. And then when it happens, just a trickle. Um, again, bombing a straight up convoy of ambulances trying to get through the Rafa border bombing them outside of the Al-Shifa hospital. Um, and it just goes on and on and on. And it's so funny in a cruel way that two weeks ago, you know, there was lots of like, you know, uh, who bombed this one hospital? Forgive me, I'm not remembering the exact name, but uh, in, in northern Gaza, like this, you know, was it a Hamas rocket? Was it the Israeli military? You know, all this back and forth and hand wringing. Actually, there's, you know, there's still investigations ongoing. Um, but Israel's bombed like four more hospitals since that time. So I feel like we can finally say Israel targets hospitals. And so um, you know who you are <laughs> arguing with me as to whether or not Israel targets humanitarian workers. They do. I was going to bitch about the fact that 100 Israeli doctors signed an open letter that said, hey, from one doc to the world, we say it's okay to bomb doctors and hospitals right just in case you felt a little weird in case you felt a little like oh owie oh it hurts you know because you targeted like you know a pediatric cancer ward in one hospital isn't that bad well these doctors are here to tell you no because it might have probably didn't possibly certainly wouldn't have stopped hamas so there you go and i said the h word so End of story. Um, guys, if I hadn't explained how horrible watching this war unfold and feeling so effing helpless 
you know, this is beyond, it's important to march. It is important to protest. Um, I live around the corner from my elected official. I'm thinking of camping outside. Um, but nevertheless, I think a lot of us are feeling incredibly helpless. And I think those of us who have tiny babies are feeling it just a little bit more. I swear to God, you guys, like the algorithm on my Instagram feed is wild because it knows I'm a mom and it knows I'm for Palestinian human rights. So literally it's just, I'm not even joking. It's like dead baby, live baby, dead baby, live baby, dead baby, live baby. Like this is the world we now exist in. Uh, the algorithm truly is driving me insane and somehow I am still not the victim. God damn it. When is this war about me? Um, when is this war actually a war? <laughs> Instead, it just seems like a one-sided, you know, again, um, slow-moving Nagasaki. But the real question is leadership here, right? And, of course, uh, recently we had um, Bernie Sanders pointedly asked whether or not he supports a ceasefire. Bernie Sanders has taken the floor of the Senate to call for um aid to reach Gazans. He has implored the world and, uh, you know, his fellow senators. He has said the words humanitarian pause, which is uh, now Biden and Blinken's line. And uh, guess what Netanyahu thinks of it? Ooh, no, no, no. But thank you for all the money. Can I have more, please? Thank you. I'd like that. No, 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 no. Yeah, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Uh. Whatever you say, give me the weapons. So um, nevertheless, uh, even though it will not have any impact, Bernie Sanders cannot bring himself to say ceasefire. This is what he said to Dana Bash uh, just a couple days ago. Uh, and I will play this and then I swear to God, I will shut up and bring in my guest. I, I want to just clarify one thing, Senator, if I might. You support a humanitarian pause in Gaza. Some of your fellow progressives say that there should be a full-on ceasefire, which would require an agreement on both sides to halt the fighting. Do you support a ceasefire? And if not, why not? Well, I don't know how you can have a ceasefire, permanent ceasefire, with an organization like Hamas, which is dedicated to turmoil and chaos and destroying the state of Israel. And I think what the Arab countries in the region understand, that Hamas has got to go. Okay, so this is why not. And it's just, it's so disappointing for a million reasons. I guess the, 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 like, the least of which is that it's not accurate. Like, that in no world do we ever imagine a ceasefire with Hamas means that Israel stops fighting Hamas. Like, I don't even mean that rhetorically or politically or like what anyone should negotiate for. I just mean practically that's actually not going to happen, right? So the him, he is taking that question out of its current context, out of what is happening right now and just answering that. Like it's which is so stupid and wild to me and incorrect. The second thing reason it's incorrect is because Hamas is basically has the point when, you, you know, look, I know it's hard when the bad guys are Muslim and the bad guys are Arab to understand like uh, that they actually have a goal in taking hostages. There was a point which was to free Palestinian hostages. Like you need to, this is the thing about this whole conversation. Like either we address that or we're all crazy. Do you know what I mean? Like the people in Israel protesting now for their loved ones. Like, are they crazy? Are we, are we just 
we're just not gonna okay that's no okay yeah no they're they're insane they're rational they're you know they're muslim they're arab they're extremists we can just they're terrorists it's fine yeah 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 like so again there is something concrete to be done you can say you don't want to do that thing but you should at least name it um but then the final thing is just you know bernie sanders being a voice for peace at least in theory right and look, I, I said this recently, but, you know, it seems as though Bernie has been really affected, um, like a lot of people have been affected by the attacks on Israel uh, on October 7th. And as, as he should be, as everyone should be. And that should motivate us to act. It should motivate us to say, why did this happen? Right. Truly, why did this happen? And can we prevent it from happening in a way that minimizes that does not create what, 10 times the number of dead? And so we would look to him ostensibly in any other situation. And yet he cannot be looked to. And it might be because he has dear feelings about Israel. He used to live on a kibbutz way back when, when he was younger. He sort of, you know, as we've heard, like Noam Chomsky lived on a kibbutz. Like, you know, it was a beautiful, incredible, like, you know, I don't know, but like egalitarian kind of like, you know, vibes. Is that the way to say it? Like, like it sounded tight, but like Noam Chomsky is like, yeah, yeah, I can still hold those beautiful memories and the people of Israel in my heart and say ceasefire and say end the occupation. Those things are not mutually exclusive. And Bernie, when the rubber hits the road, and this is the thing about solidarity, it's like when this happens, something is egregious, something is awful, and then it kicks off something even worse. You gotta be the voice to say no. And I will end like this. I am so glad that he and his movement birthed so many other progressive candidates that my guest has helped bolster and get into office. People like AOC, Cori Bush, Rashida Tlaib, Summer Lee, who's been on this show, who is just, God, I went back and listened to the episode with Summer Lee. I was like, fell in love with her all over again. Um, you know, Rashida Tlaib, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, who's being, you know, censured. Ilhan Omar, who we've, you know, just a voice of like a clear moral, you know, uh, uh, like reason. Um, Interesting that they're mostly, if not all, people of color. Interesting that they, you've got, you know, two Muslim women, um, first Muslims to serve in the, in Congress. Like, interesting that they are progressive. And, and so the torch has been passed. The baton has been passed. Thank you, Bernie. Next. You know, like, we, this is a test for you, and you done failed it. And I don't know what's going on. But, y'all, this video was retweeted by APAC. That's right. APAC basically saying, yeah, listen to Bernie Sanders. I mean, if like just any more evidence that we've jumped the shark on this. APAC, text Israel at 24772, stand with Israel. Sorry, I didn't want to get the number wrong, just in case anyone wanted to text that. Um, When APAC is boosting you, bro, bro, take a hint. It's just very funny, though, because a lot of my liberals who hated Bernie were like, you're a Bernie, bro. Like now are like, I kind of like Bernie because <laughs> because he's got a terrible stance on this. It's not funny. It's still sad. Anyway, thank you, Bernie, for your service. Bye. Bye. Warren, you got anything to say? Oh, no. Bye.
I do think this will define uh, a lot of our generation politically and for sure our foreign policy for years and years to come. And I wish it weren't so. Um, but why don't we move into bringing, uh, I didn't ask him for a very long bio, but he is a communications director with Justice Democrats. Uh, please welcome Usama Andrabi. Usama, how are you? So, so good. Everything is great. <laughs> yes. Everything's perfect. Why? Did something happen? No, nothing in the last month. Um, <laughs> but since before that, it was sick. Everything was great. Well, that's what's actually interesting to me about the polling. And I, I didn't want to like we I don't want to come in too hot with this, but I am curious because and, and what you make of some of this new polling and we'll look in into it. Um, how much, you know, were people sounding the alarms about Biden in the general next year before his decision to throw down with Israel's war crimes like, you know, hook, line and sinker completely no daylight, you know, no restraint, whatever. And how much of it is just because what I would see the polls before and I'd be like, mm, I don't believe it's that close with a fuck 91 indicted criminal ass Trump, really? And then you see this and you see and specifically uh, and I can we'll pull up a little bit about Michigan, but really the young folks who gave Biden an edge in swing states, young people and everywhere, young people and people of color, Asian American voters, Arab American voters, Muslim voters, like especially in those swing states and which are like, you know, the fastest growing block of voters in this country next to Latinos. But that's what gave him the edge. And he's losing that particular edge. So I guess I wanted to ask you, like, what weight do you put on these actions and his, um, you know, stance around Israel's war on Gaza? Yeah, um, massive weight, I think. I think like this is a horrible miscalculation from the White House and the Biden administration to side closer with the Netanyahu government than an overwhelming majority of Democratic voters. And so it's like functionally siding with the Trump government in Israel. It's just baffling to me to see you get polls that say 80% of Democrats support a ceasefire, Republicans support a ceasefire, independents support a ceasefire, Democrats oppose sending more weapons to Israel, and to go there and say absolutely nothing and go from the White House and do a speech that says we must have humanitarian pauses and we must send $14 billion in bombs and weapons. It's just no one is buying the shit he's selling. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just baffling to me to see young voters everywhere be like, we have always been at the center of the pro-peace movement for generations in this country. We are once again that. Today, Sunrise Movement, Gen Z for Change, and a bunch of other groups that represent young voters put out a letter to Biden saying, you need to call for a ceasefire, otherwise you are going to lose this election. Um, so I think it's pretty clear that this is a massive albatross for him. Absolutely. And it is... Um... It also feels like this is a voting block that always gets shat on. I mean, I mean, other than maybe black voters, and we can talk about that. I mean, but yeah, let's just broadly, young voters and voters of color, no matter, usually when it's a loss, always get blamed. And when they make the difference and help people win, it's us who have to be like, we helped you win. <laughs> we're the reason. But then, and this was, you know, and you obviously were, you know, in 2020, 
we saw the like, oh my God, we're in a pandemic, Biden's in a basement or whatever, you know, like what's, you know, what is this? And then, you know, George Floyd is murdered and a massive outpouring of people, uh, young people, people of color take the streets and that energy, although Biden has never acknowledged this, the energy actually funnels into him, not because people wanted Biden to save us, but because we saw fascism in the streets through Trump and, you know, basically henchmen of Trump police, extrajudicial, extrajudicial killings like we saw we saw a glimpse of what it could you know really will be and it funneled into biden and what what did we get nothing around police reform i mean absolutely nothing so all to say here you have another mass movement biggest protest for palestine in american history in dc um and where is this energy where does that energy go right it's sort of there is no place for it to go other than i think electoral demobilization um but anyway thoughts on that yeah i mean absolutely i think every cycle we see for a year for two years for three years democratic leadership basically say screw you to the entire populations that get them elected and then come october of an election year they're like hey here we are here's our black surrogates here's our young surrogates you guys support us right um, and no one, no one is going to buy that anymore. People are far too aware of how this political system works. They are far too understanding that the president for the first time in a very long time had a speech from the Oval Office, and it was about sending billions in dollars to Israel when a majority of voters in that New York Times Siena poll talk about how the thing they care about the most is jobs and the economy. And they are seeing billions of dollars go to another country's military to commit ethnic cleansing. And they are wondering why that money is not being invested in their communities. And I think you're not just seeing that in young voters, you're seeing that especially in communities of color who are constantly just like, when are we going to get our fair share of right. this billions that we are evidently building a massive deficit for? It seems like it's only lining the pockets of corporate defense contractors. And once again, we are doing that again. There is no mass mobilization to give jobs to a bunch of people in black and brown communities. The only thing we are seeing bipartisan support for right now is arming the Israeli military. And it is deeply unpopular. No yeah. one is here for it. And no one is going has lived through the last two decades of failed endless wars, especially young voters, and saw us going to Afghanistan to eradicate the Taliban. And then the day after we leave, the Taliban is back in power. No one thinks a military conflict is going to resolve what's going on in Israel and Palestine. And that is why everybody supports a ceasefire. It is the bare minimum to end violence. I saw, was reading yesterday about, I mean, obviously there's been, you know, over 4,000 children who've been murdered by the Israeli military. Yesterday I saw them report about a Palestinian baby who was issued a death certificate before their birth certificate. And it's just like, voters are seeing that every day. And they are not pretending like this is justified Israeli defense. You know, they see this as straight up ethnic cleansing, as straight up punishing civilians for the actions of yeah. Hamas. And there's no ways about it.
I can't, I can't. I'm like, I just, and I, you know what, when you said we're killed, like, I just think it's so important because I've heard, and maybe even I even said like 4,000 have died. We need to eradicate this passive voice. And this is a complete sidebar, <laughs> but they're killed. They were murdered. They were killed. Uh, the, also those 1400 civilians uh, and, you know, military personnel in Israel we're killed. Were killed. Yeah. So we say the same thing. Just because it falls from the sky doesn't mean it's not still murder. But anyway, to the to your point about let's look a little bit at that Siena poll. This is just a summary of it uh, by New York Times and Siena College determined that Biden's support base is fracturing as voters are dissatisfied with his immigration, national security and economic policies. The Times poll found that African-American voters are expressing an unusually high 22 percent for Trump. And Biden is also hemorrhaging support from younger voters, Hispanics and urban voters. In swing states, 67% um, of registered voters say that the country is moving in the wrong direction. Oh, this is generally. Um, and then in swing states, uh, Trump is beating Biden 49 to 43 in Georgia, 49 to 44 in Arizona, 48 to 43 in Michigan, 48 to 44 in Pennsylvania, and even holds a stunning double-digit lead in Nevada, 52 to 41, which is wild. Biden currently has the lead in Wisconsin, but just barely with 47% to Trump's 45 before we go into that, let's just zero in on um, Michigan and this, you know, Justice Dems, well, well lead of Justice Dems who's been on this show, put uh, sent this around from R Lake Research Partners, which I guess is a, a Biden um, polling com firm company. They, they work with them, right? Um, so 71% of Michigan Dems overall support ceasefire in Gaza. 71%. Or under 30, only 61 would vote, 61% would vote for Biden if the election were held today. Which is interesting because it's anyway, 56% uh, gave him a poor rating on the handling of Gaza. 43% said they continue vote third party in 2024 if the election were held between Trump and Biden. 73% oppose weapons aid packages to Israel. Only 62% of Michigan Dems say they'd vote to reelect Joe Biden if the election was held today. Um, and then the, another addendum, RFK uh, is actually ahead of Biden in with Arab and Muslim Michigan Democrats. Now, I want to like, there's, there is a lot happening here. Like, so let's just pull it out because I feel like it, let's just talk about like the Arab and Muslim vote. Um, it is very easy for people whose communities are not affected or whose identities are not immediately politicized as they walk down the streets or feel unsafe right now to say, well, why don't like, don't you realize Trump is worse? Why don't you just like suck it up and vote for Biden? You're you're shooting yourself in the foot, blah, blah, blah. Right. We we understand like that's you can make that sort of cold calculated, you know, um, whatever uh, move here in voting for Biden over Trump. But on a visceral level, the idea that this president is putting you at risk and killing maybe family members abroad or helping in their murder and it's no there's no sign of slowing down I, I just want everyone to appreciate like how how fucking um attacked i think american muslim and arabs feel and should possibly feel i don't know your your thoughts yeah i mean absolutely frankly as an american a muslim um it is crazy to see like the attempted kind of collective gaslighting of the entire Arab and Muslim population in this country to somehow suck it up 
um, when they are watching dead babies pile up that we saw, you know, the same outrage when 1400 innocent Israelis were murdered. That is the same outrage that we are all seeing happen in Muslim and Arab communities when they see and they check every day how many more thousands of people were just murdered by Israeli bombs and weapons. And to kind of put it on a community that is suffering to be like, well, you need a vote for the lesser of two evils is a insane thing, in my opinion, to put on that when really everyone should be mobilizing against the White House to say, maybe don't do these things that is making you lose voters. That is also just, you know, like basic human rights, right? Yes. And so it is a crazy thing. I, you know, just anecdotally from the Muslim community that I know from, I'm from Houston, Texas, and there's a massive Muslim community there, a massive South Asian population there. And there are just so many people who are not politically active whatsoever, generally always Democrat, but are just like rock on Dems, whatever, especially mm -hmm. post Bush, and are seeing the same feelings they had in the wake of 9-11 after George W. Bush as like a party that is against Muslims with Biden and the White House, because that is what he's doing, you know, having comments here and there about how you want to combat Islamophobia after a child in Chicago is stabbed to death by an Islamophobic person is just not going to cut it when they are watching you lobby for billions of dollars in bombs to kill more kids, you know, in Palestine. Put a, I mean, it's like a, it's just a bandaid on a gaping wound that we can all see. Oh my God, you're assembling a task force on Islamophobia. Like what a fucking shit lib thing to do. What a shit lib thing to do. Like, and fuck you, because we know you're going to back away from that in, two, in like a month when the right is like, this is actually anti-Semitism. And then you're like, you know what? It is. Or, you know, they're doing terrorism. I'm like, you know what? We are. Like, just the way they, back away for, they backed away from the misinformation task force or whatever the hell that was. It's like, anyway, I am, I am, I appreciate having this conversation with you, Osama, because I know you and with Justice Dems, you are fundamentally an organization that believes that you know, um, even within our, you know, duopoly that we can affect change and that we should be working to make this change. And so I appreciate being able to go here with you because it is not that, you know, we are, no one is acting irrationally. We are seeing what is happening and we're, and we're saying that this is, this is what's irrational, but I wanted to pick up on this piece with you because so let's, let's talk more broadly about independence. Independents are also incredibly against sending more weapons to Israel. They want a ceasefire as well. Uh, they want, you know, a diplomatic solution. And, and I am, it reminds me of, again, the post 9-11, you know, legacy, which is the appetite for war in the United States between all voters, I'm not talking about party leaders, is next to nothing. After eight and two, eight wars with Bush, two plus, or excuse me, eight wars, eight years of Bush, two plus wars, felt like eight wars. Um, you know, the drone campaigns, the torture, the end, na, 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 that bankrupted our economy. Everyone's sick of it. And it's partly why, first of all, it's why Obama got elected and over Hillary. And it's why Trump got elected. Because even though Trump does his whole, like, I wouldn't have gone into Iraq, and then it's like, without taking all the oil, you know, and that's his version. But I guess I wanted to ask also about, like, how Democrats have sort of squandered the lane for peace. And I say that not in a, you know, weak way, but I say it in, like, the lane to truly have robust diplomatic 
leadership uh, around the world that doesn't come, you know, again, with a bunch of bombs. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think we, the era of kind of a warmongering American population is over. You know, there are people who are down to do it, but a majority of people have lived through just failed endless wars, have lived through seeing their kids get sent off to Fallujah and come back in body bags. And they are yeah. not interested in seeing another endless war in the Middle East. And Democrats, you know, cosplay as these pro-peace activists, generally in uh, co in contrast to the Republican Party. But like, it's a very small group of Democrats who are willing to stand up. And you named some of them, folks like Summer Lee and Cori Bush and Rashida and Jamal and AOC, who are very actively opposing endless wars and opposing sending $800 billion to Department of Defense for corporate defense contractors and who are calling for a ceasefire. But we have constantly let Democratic leadership, both in Congress and the White House and in the party, has always let this corporate defense industry push us around to say what we need to do. Because if you look at who Raytheon donated to at the beginning of this year, it was $30,000 to the Democratic committees and $30,000 to the Republican committees. And warmongering has always been bipartisan in Congress. Yeah. And it doesn't help when you have an Israel lobby with APAC, the United Democracy Project, and the Democratic Majority for Israel, who is threatening millions of dollars in Democratic primaries if you stand up, even an iota, for basic Palestinian human rights. Because that's what they did last cycle. They spent millions of dollars across a lot of races. We lost some of those races because APAC spent it. They spent it against Jessica Cisneros in defense of Henry Cuellar, famously anti-choice pro-NRA Democrat Henry Cuellar. And the only person who was able to beat them was Summer Lee after beating mm -hmm. back $5 million in the Democratic primary and a general election. And this is who the White House, this is who Democratic leadership is listening to, are yeah. folks who want to send billions more in unconditional military bombs and weapons to Israel while the American people are just like, can we please have health care or anything? Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting. I mean, I, I wanted to kind of like, I guess, ask you about um, like, one, before we move on from the war and everything that's happening, I, I did want to ask whether you think you know, I've said that I think Biden is just he's just knee jerk when it comes to Israel. It's just like it's like he sees for some reason. First of all, he's turned off his brain to what Israel has become and how far right it has actually moved and how um, dead the peace process is. I mean, this is just such a murderous path. Blinken said on an interview, I'm never going to get over this, that there is no military solution to uh, what's going on right now. And it's like, OK. So, so what are we doing then? So what are we doing? If there's no, what are we, are you, okay. Cause you can't say both of those things at once, you know, like, oh, Hamas is never, it was, and I just, I just have to get this point out. The last, you know, when you see these headlines, a man loses 25 members of his family, woman loses 50 members of her family. What the fuck do we imagine the surviving members of these families are going to do? How do we imagine that they will continue, number one, continue to live their lives at all? But number two, why, isn't that just like, if anything were to radicalize you, if I lost 50 members of my family, 
I mean, could you really blame me in one fell swoop? Like, would you really hold it against me if I, uh, you know, started to resist a little bit more violently? Like, I'm just like, it's just incredible to me, the kind of groundwork for blowback that they are laying right now and deliberately so. But but we can move on from that. How much do you think that this is a political calculation for Biden to be like, well, there's more money from APAC, you know, never heard of a massively funded billion dollar Palestinian lobby, you know, uh, inshallah is what just wants to come out of my mouth. But, um, you know, so this is just a calculation on that. You know, uh, Muslim and Arabs are a smaller voting block. They're a very critical voting block. They're a smaller voting block than American Jews, even though all American Jews are not on board with this. But many powerful ones are. I, you know, this is my calculation. What, do you feel like it is more of that cold calculation than anything? Yeah, I mean, I can't understand what else it could possibly be at this right. point you know like i think we saw before october 7th president biden was unwilling unwilling to meet netanyahu in the white house you know was only going to meet him in public in new york city outside of the un because he was such a bad corrupt figure that was getting protested by his own voters because he wanted to usurp democracy Right. And so we have witnessed once again, as usual, a massacre happened. And now we are just going to use any excuse to go to war. And he's not listening to voters. If this is a political calculation, you would see a poll that says 80 percent of voters call for a ceasefire. And the next day be like, all right, we got to call for a ceasefire, you know. Right. Um, but clearly he is listening to these lobbies, which have always yeah. been extremely powerful and there's an excerpt that's been circulating around Twitter from Obama's um, autobiography talking very specifically about how APAC, the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee, has always been this threatening kind of pack to anyone who talks about Israel, both in Congress and in the White House, and how we should always be aware of this threat and how we need to stamp this threat out. And we are seeing the same thing happen again. Every instance of kind of any movement towards stability in Palestine or Israel, any movement towards any solution and long, long-standing peace has always been opposed by the Israel lobby and its various super PACs. And they will spend millions and millions of dollars spreading misinformation about people like Rashida Tlaib, people like Summer Lee, to get their point across. And they will appeal to the worst nature of people. Um, and I think people just aren't buying it anymore. You know, people yeah. hear about this, people understand how controlled our politics are by corporate lobbies and the israel lobby is no different from that and they are just done with the moneyed interest in our politics and are looking for members and politicians who are actually fighting for their communities and not whoever has the biggest check yeah 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 100 I, I i'm like i i haven't look i haven't missed obama a lot I got to say in this uh, entire time he's been gone until this month, I've been a little bit like, you know, remember when he called Netanyahu a pain in the ass? That was fun. What happened to that guy? Remember the guy who spoke to, you know, the University of Cairo, American University in Cairo? Like, that was sick. Remember how we tried to turn the page away from rampant Islamophobia, away from the war on terror? Yeah, there was the surge in Afghanistan. Really dumb. Uh, but just it, it it gives me, you know, as sort of an older millennial um, heart palpitations. I mean, generally, I've already had them because <laughs> I'm old. But like, you know, going back and you're like, oh, shit, I'm at that moment where I'm old enough to relive the same war crime. I was alive that got me Literally. into this movement in the first place. You know, 
literally. <laughs> right. Well, and and speaking about that money, um, I guess before we let's this is me trying to get my ducks in a row. I guess um, let me go back to what I wanted to say about let's talk like immigration and immigration and security border security those are two issues that like actually kind of break my brain and they kind of make me disappointed so i'm going to pretend those don't exist as, as top concerns um because i'm a coastal elite uh who wants to be insulated from those things no i want to talk about the economy this is biden i thought bidenomics were working this was, you know, the American Rescue Plan that, you know, sunsetted and such. <laughs> this was the child tax credit that sunsetted. This was expanded unemployment and food stamps and no, 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 that a lot of them have sunsetted. But this is the Inflation Reduction Act guy. This is get money back on, you know, uh, energy saving updates to your home and electric vehicles. Like this is some student loan debt relief, you know piecemeal and maybe complicated and convoluted but many people have had their debt wiped out why isn't that breaking through when it comes to the economy how the hell are we at a moment where people are looking at trump and going yeah he wasn't bad i mean people who eat like you know rocks but still people yeah i mean you know for sure i think there was absolutely some useful progressive influenced legislation that biden passed in the first half of his presidency and has continued to do some things especially on climate change the ira some student debt cancellation for sure a child tax credit for a few months for sure <laughs> um but i also think like you're right all those things fucking sunsetted and people stopped getting the benefits of those you know like child poverty was massively cut during the child tax credit and then for some reason we chose to say fuck it we don't need to do it anymore and nothing has really been going on since people are not people's lives are not improving on a day to day basis. They are not necessarily going to see the benefits of infrastructure investments this year, you know, right. And so right. they need to see what this president is actually doing for them. And what they have seen this month when people are talking to them is only one issue this president is talking about, and it is supremely standing with Israel and its right to defend itself and ensuring that we can always give them money. And it's just like you have moms working three jobs watching these press conferences and are just like, why the yeah. fuck are we sending this money there when I need to feed my kids? I like I would love to work two jobs instead of three. And yeah. so it's just baffling to see kind of the administration go 10 toes deep into supporting a genocidal military and thinking that we should put all of our money there instead of into the people that elected him um, or doing any progressive policies. I, you know, the UAW had a historic strike that just led to historic agreements that almost none of us could really find the time to celebrate because we were too busy trying to stop this president from doing a genocide. And he was also too busy trying to help a genocide from being, instead of being like, congrats, Sean Fain. And he walked the picket line. I mean, this is like the goodwill that I would say that a lot of these wins have been really wonky. And also because it's piecemeal or because it's OK, you know, Medicaid can or Medicare can negotiate drug prices, but not until 2024. Or is it six? I can't remember. Like, it's not happening for like all of these things are like, well, the wonk told me the wonk told me the wonk told me that this was good. And like, it's like that doesn't translate to everyday people. But the one thing that maybe could have broken through was like, oh, my God, president walked the picket line. Maybe first time in history he did that. That's tight. 
and yeah, that got immediately undermined because of this bullshit. Um, you know, and and so I'm just like, I guess the other thing I'm I'm looking at is like is like, f- are they going to roll out any kind of like, do they have, I hope there are plans in the next year, if nothing else, than to break, to, like, talk about some of the things they did. I mean, I also feel like it's not nothing that Biden took the va- fucking, took the pandemic seriously and helped people get vaccinated. Totally. But that's, nobody wants to talk about that, including them, because that's a, you know, nobody wants to talk about the pandemic. I don't know. My my brain. My it's, brain. It's, it's honestly fucking baffling. I don't really know what they are doing at all i think you know there is this idea um if you read history books that wartime presidents are popular um and i think that's the case if it was 1941 um but it is 2023 and the american public is watching us get involved in a conflict that truly all of them think we have no business being a part of um except a very small very vocal majority um Mm -hmm. and that is all that they're talking about they're not even you know a few months before this biden announced that he was going to launch a civilian climate corps which is what the sunrise movement has been calling for for years which was huge and could be great and would make thousands of new jobs and green union jobs but that is not what we're hearing that is not what he's talking about and that is not what he is prioritizing all that they are prioritizing is this war and i think people are just frankly tired of of hearing about it and tired of hearing that our country is the one that's the only one that's funding this genocide alongside israel yeah and and you know look i have major disagreements with the right on their um you know right because the right is freaking out about money to ukraine um because a lot of them probably somehow receive russian money vis-a-vis dark money group this is my this is my opinion Prue, you know possibly through the nra but the point is the right loves to talk about oh we should never send money to ukraine this is ridiculous putin's amazing putin did nothing wrong and then when it comes to israel it's it isn't just being mum i mean they it funny enough they don't want to agree with Biden and it's very difficult to go to the right of Biden. They trying to go to the right of Biden. There's not a lot of room to be to the right of Biden on this right now. So instead, and we sort of had tipped this earlier, they're going after any like, you know, Muslim politician or specifically Rashida Tlaib. I'm sure Ilhan Omar is getting uh, more death threats these days, but they're they're weaponizing and the anti-Semitism claim going after Rashida Tlaib, censuring her um and and whatnot so i guess i'm i'm curious about what you think it's like it's like we can't there's not even a lane for us to call the right wing on their double standard bs because they're full throated and full throttle in agreement with sending more weapons to israel you know oh yeah absolutely (laughs) i mean it's 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 crazy to watch people who have recorded history of anti-semitic comments anti-semitic rants and them come out to be like, we need to condemn Rashida Tlaib for saying, you know, uh, from the river to the sea, and we need to send billions in weapons to Israel. And it's just like, these are not good faith actors. These are actors who are acting on behalf of a lobby, you know, who Mm -hmm. ensures that they will get reelected, who ensures that 
you know, come next year, their FEC chart will show that they got a few thousand dollars from whichever one of APAC's super PACs they want to do. And so I think as it always has been, it's always been about who can buy these politicians the quickest. And Republicans have always been willing to be bought by anyone who is pro-war. Um, mm -hmm. And right now that is the defense lobby and the Israel lobby. Um, and they are, you know, that is why APAC proudly endorsed 106 insurrectionists who voted to overturn Joe Biden's election, including all 15 of the people who ran for speaker um, this year for the Republicans, including our Christian fascist nationalist king, Mike Johnson. Um, and it's like, you know, Mike Johnson doesn't care about Israeli lives. Mike Johnson doesn't care about Jewish people in America. Mike Johnson just wants to be Speaker of the House and get reelected and be able to ensure that he can ban abortion eventually. And yeah. that's what this lobby is funding on, you know, is basically saying screw every other priority that Democratic voters care about, be it our democracy or abortion rights. We have to put all of our efforts into arming the Israeli military. Yep. Um, well, let's leave this there now and there will be a lot more to talk about uh, i love this so far so please come back on because look it, it, it's a long year a lot is going to happen i do not think another candidate uh will come in as much as i wish uh one would um especially one who again gavin newsom gonna come out against uh and for for a ceasefire against joe biden's tack in israel i don't fucking think so Number one, he doesn't have the cojones to go up against. Uh, he's not going to go up against Biden. And he's definitely not going to, you know, actually capture the energy of the unrepresented people who are marching the streets, who are calling their representatives, who are absolutely outraged right now. And so final thoughts are we are in the majority. But let's talk about the money because, guys, I and Osama, I was, you know, radicalized around Palestine when I was in college following the Iraq war. It's sort of it's like. Hey, you know, if you like human rights in the Middle East, you might want to know what's happening <laughs> to Palestinians. And it's like, oh, okay, okay, tight, tight, tight. Also took an incredible, you know, course in it. Like I think a lot of us have or did that was, you know, very um, radicalizing. Um, amazing how just history and facts can do that to you. Um, but it's no, no stretch to say that colleges are where a lot of people understand Israel-Palestine for the first time or in better clarity. Um, and, uh, you know, lobbies and money behind like basically pro-Israel lobbies in this country and, you know, think tanks in this country, they know that. And they've targeted college kids and specifically professors who speak out around Palestine or even again, who simply give a history class on, you know, uh, the, you know, broken peace process, Oslo, uh, the right in, is in Israel, like the, those people are targeted. They're put on blacklists. They have maintained these lists for many, many years. And all this has kind of happened in the, in sort of the dark because, who of us, you know, has necessarily like been part of our students for justice in Palestine? Like, you know, maybe we were a little bit, we left college, we're not in college. I don't know, but it's still happening. And this war's only put that, you know, come uh, has, has, you know, moved that to the forefront. And specifically what's been happening is students have been doxxed and this is wild um, through uh, something called a doxing truck, which is, this is outside of university of uh, uh, Pennsylvania this is to, I think, their, um, the president or, or provost or whatnot, condemn anti-Semitism on your campus or resign. Um, but that's not actually that crazy. This is outside of Columbia, and this is 
a d- fake diploma on a truck that says Columbia's leading anti-Semites. And then there is a picture of a student on that truck that is being obscured by activists and students who are like, do not dox us. What are you doing? Um, but so just a bit, a bit of background on this. Uh, six student groups um, identified by Accuracy in Media great on its columbia website includes columbia university muslim students association uh-huh conflict resolution collective sounds dangerous um human rights working group uh palestine working group turath arab students association at columbia university and society for immigrant and refugee rights um again hotbeds of violence uh people who stand up for refugee rights um to, uh, similar to the vehicle that paraded at Harvard, the Columbia truck also displayed the website Columbia Hates Jews, which ter- leads to a form that encourages users to send an, an email to the Ivy League School Board of Trustees. So what has basically happened is that a lot of uh, Ivy League schools specifically have been targeted with, I guess, accuracy in media and others. Um, students who participated in pro-Palestine marches or marches against genocide um, have lost job offers. Um, universities are being, uh, like, again, they're being threatened with loss of funding. So funders have jumped ship. Um, the ADL specifically, the um, Anti-Defamation League, um, which is in 2022 basically equated anti-Semitism with anti-Zionism. So if you say you're against Zionism, they, they according to them, this is the seminal you know, and like watchdog on anti-Semitism in this country says that is anti-Semitic to say you're anti-Zionist. Um, they're encouraging administrators to investigate student groups, specifically SJP chapters. Florida has banned SJP chapters because, of course, and then the Biden administration is now putting directing the Justice Department and DHS to look into college campuses in the name of combating anti-Semitism, again, um, as if 10,000 Israelis were under rubble right now. I, I, I truly do not understand. I mean, I do understand it, but I don't. This was, you know, um, Terry Albury, who's been outspoken. Um, I think this is the same Terry, unless it's another one, but who's been, a, you know, worked in counterterrorism and then uh, now is a whistleblower. He said, when the ADL talks, the FBI listens and takes it seriously. Asked how college administrators who lack subpoena power for bank records could connect material support investigations. Albury replied, they can't. But campuses can easily enlist law enforcement via the joint terrorism task forces around the country that unite state, local and federal police. And that happens through campus police who can offer their services to the local FBI office and say they've received a referral about radical students, he said. They will work in concert with the FBI to initiate investigations of those students. So kids, students are being targeted on every level. I mean, this, Osama, this is like beyond what we dealt with, you know, in 2003. This is like a whole other level. And to the point I think you made earlier, which is about young people. When you see the kind of machinery being weaponized, the FBI working with your campus police being weaponized against you, there is nothing more politicizing than that, right? Where you say, oh, fuck, I touched a nerve. Why? All I'm saying is please don't kill any more people. I don't want that in my name. The, you know, and, and it and it sort of does something to you around this issue. But I think anyway, it's chilling. But I, I'm curious on your on your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's like 
I, I don't know. It's it's insane to see um, as someone who has, you know, like younger cousins and folks who are in college or in these groups who are just like, oh, looks like the FBI is going to investigate us now. And I'm just like, we all read about Cointelpro and we all read about the FBI and the CIA kind of, you know, making sure to monitor civil rights activists and pro-peace activists and anti-war activists in the mid-20th century. And we are just seeing the same shit all over again for people who are just protesting Palestine. You know, it's yeah. it's if it's if you did the same thing for folks in the 80s and late 70s who were protesting apartheid South Africa, you would look back right now and say that was insane. That was insane that we weaponized the FBI against students who were protesting apartheid, which is what these students are doing again. Obviously, there have been instances of anti-Semitism on college campuses. There have been instances of Islamophobia, and those should be condemned wholeheartedly. But what we are seeing is kind of a blanket attempt to equate any protests that say, I support Palestinian human rights, I support Palestinians not dying a thousand a day. Um, that is all of a sudden now pro-Hamas. That is all of a sudden yeah. pro-terrorist. Um, and it's the same behavior we saw in the wake of 9-11 to try and equate you know, Islam with all uh, uh, terrorist groups abroad. Um, and now we're doing it with college students. And it's just, it's, it's crazy to see a group like the Muslim Student Association get targeted when I'm just like, that is just, we're just talking blatant Islamophobia now. You know, yeah. that is a group that is equivalent to a Hillel or a Jewish Student Association. Yes. And we should not target those groups either because they are just religious student organizations and to do that sends a chilling kind of message to Muslims, Arabs, and anyone who purports to support basic human rights of any people on college campuses, which is a majority of college students at these campuses. And so, yeah. Oh my, oh my God. Aren't you so happy you're not on college campus right now? Like I'm like, yeah. just to anyone who is, I am so sorry because I had to deal with like, you know, in my class on Israel, Palestine or like uh, Middle East studies, you know, the like, you know, sort of, yeah, brainwashed, you know, Zionist white chick who was like, but I hear that they they teach their kids like they have like a suicide bomber Sesame Street. And you're like, you literally read that. That's like straight up propaganda. Like that's a meme. Memes didn't exist in those days, but you just recited a meme in a college course. I mean, this is my general problem with college anyway, was kids just coming to school and be like, in Cosmo, fuck you. Um, these, these are the kids that I debated a lot. Um, but like, imagine that. I, I guess I'm just thinking of I think it's especially interesting also how students of color beyond just Arab and Muslim students, but any students of color, black students in particular, are targeted by these doxing campaigns. And it is, let's not forget that this is a racist endeavor. Ultimately, it's Islamophobic. It's racist. Israel, the right in Israel is virulently racist. Uh, Netanyahu is incredibly racist. It is not a democracy. It is a deeply racist society. This is sad. And yes, it can be different. Um, and I believe it can one day be different. But like all that trickles down. And I also think it's so funny how this is the same week that you have like Amy Schumer up in the DMs of like a random black actress being like, wow, I guess you don't, you know, support our like civil rights and all this bullshit in the way that like black Americans particularly are being like, stay in line because 
we were there for you. And it's like, let's just pause on how fucked that is. It is. It is insane. I saw that tweet going around today that was like, you know, Jewish people are going to remember that uh, black voters didn't stand up for them against anti-Semitism. And <laughs> I'm, I was just like, this is crazy. Like what, yeah. one, what are you talking about? Like you live in a bubble where you guys just share, you know, vitriol amongst each other when I am watching very prominent black people and black people all over and black elected denounce anti-Semitism while also standing up for the basic human rights of Palestinian people, which I think is the real problem that y'all may have. And so it's really insane to see. I mean, I cannot even start with the Amy Schumer, Regina Specter, <laughs> Gal Gadot's of the world. I'm proud to say I hated Amy Schumer before this, um, and <laughs> I still do. Um, and it's, it's, it's crazy to see that. Like, yes, I can understand that people are suffering and people see the massacre of 1400 people and are like, this is insane. And to have it by an organization that has, you know, done it on the basis of anti-Semitism is evil and awful. And you can feel that very deeply as I'm, as a Jewish person, I'm sure as someone who is constantly in fear of their life and understand the history of persecution against Jewish people. But you can also then see what is happening to innocent Palestinian people and everybody who supports them and see that they are being murdered in Palestine and they are being doxxed and surveilled here because they stand up for the equal human rights of Palestinian and Israelis and they don't want anyone's babies to get murdered. But right now we're seeing a lot more babies on one side get murdered. And it's really frustrating to see a lack of solidarity amongst some folks. And I, and I think it is really amongst yeah. some folks because, you know, I am in close coalition with the folks at, if not now, and Jewish Voice for Peace who have led thousands of Jewish folks in the White House and Congress against Israeli apartheid, against funding the Israeli military to call for a ceasefire. And so as usual, I think we are seeing a very vocal group of folks trying to take a lot of air from an overwhelming majority of Americans across whatever fucking line there is being pro-peace. Yeah. Do you think, and this is back to what we were talking about before, but a little bit like, you know, do you think the pressure is working knowing as someone who kind of knows how, you know, uh, Congress works a little bit and it feels like it, we are up against something insurmountable, but you have seen the like, well, okay, humanitarian pause. Well, okay. The, 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 but like what, how, important is it to for us to keep up this pressure um and the fact that you have state department officials resigning apparently there was going to be a, some sort of state department dissent cable that has not come out yet sadly but it doesn't seem like everyone inside the administration is on board i don't even think blinken is on board with himself uh, <laughs> i don't know if he ever was um yeah i mean i think but he plays the he... bass or the good He's, his sweet, beautiful. But we just saw he's that. He's a like, chill. He's a chill fucking chill. dude. All Doesn't right? he like speak Arabic? And everyone was like, "Oh, wow!" Or something like shit him like that. and him and like a thousand other white dudes in DC who want CIA <laughs> jobs. So like, I congrats. You know, um, <laughs> I think it's it's crucial. I think like you know, I it is absolutely crucial to continue calling your reps, calling your senators, putting this pressure on. It may not feel like the White House is moving, but like even when they started saying humanitarian pause, that was only because everybody said ceasefire. And we should right. continue calling for a cease ceasefire. There have been 
Every day, there have been more members in Congress who are watching the bodies of infants pile up in Palestine and say, we need a ceasefire. Obviously, there is a unfortunate overwhelming majority of members, including many progressive members of Congress who are unwilling to call for a ceasefire. And I think, you know, they can square that hole with their creator. Um, but I absolutely think everyone should continue to do this because the pressure is working. You know, the White House is seeing these messages. The White House is seeing these protests. They are they are absolutely reading these polls that show an overwhelming amount of voters are not on their side. And they're doing anything they can to kind of hem and haw. Right now, the move is to try and discredit a ceasefire as something that would give time for Hamas to arm themselves again, um, which is just the current spin. Um, and I think they are also seeing that we, the entire world is watching them ask for nothing from Israel, a humanitarian pause. And Israel is still saying, like, fuck you, honestly, like, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, and they are just they starting to look weak. They the starting to. I mean, <laughs> through, truly the weakest shit ever. Truly the saddest, most pathetic role we're playing right now. And we're rolling over. And, and it, again, you're right. It's not lost on the world and specifically the global south. It is green light to genocide dares, as uh, Naomi Klein said, that I was like, oh, that word is creepy and good. It's, it's green light to anyone else who wants to do this to, uh, um, you know, a population they don't like. Um, but more than that, because of our uniquely, um, disgustingly codependent relationship with Israel, I think for the global South specifically to look on and be like, wow, there's literally nothing they won't do to this defenseless population. This is how, and, and again, I've said this before, we have to understand that Palestine and Palestinians have represented the global South, the sort of fill in the blank, the colonized, the, the downtrodden, the brown people of the world for generations. And to see this is, and, and playing out how it is and how it is not slowing down, it is not lost on everyone. We have completely fallen. <laughs> if we weren't already out of the eyes of the world as some kind of good arbiters of peace or justice or democracy, that is done. I mean, that's truly done. And we, I know we don't see Israel-Palestine that way in the United States. We've not been taught. But I think, the, but again, the rest of the world is like, shit is bad here. You want to know it's real bad? <laughs> you want to know who like, you know, our solidarity movements kind of mirror is what's going on in Palestine. Um, it, and it's not about, it's not about Jews. It's not about Jews. It's about American empire and war fundamentally that is so tied up with Israeli empire and war or, you know, occupation and war. Um, I could go on forever and ever and ever. Usama, I want to end. We have to end. We must. Why not? Um, why not? Let's, let's call it by asking you, um, and I don't think I, pre maybe I did prep you for this, but what is good? What is good? This is, yeah, let's, LOL. Let's LOL, everybody think, oh shoot, I didn't play the sketch. I'll play it on Thursday. I'll play it on Thursday. Um, what is good, everybody? Let's pep it up, change it up. What's good? Can't believe I didn't play that sketch. I'm so pissed off at myself now. It's okay. We won't. Osama, what is good? Any silver linings in all of the horribleness we've outlined? I think 
sorry. Or even in your life, or even even just like, did you make a dope meal for yourself recently? Uh, no, nothing. <laughs> no, no silver linings in my personal life. Don't worry about that. Um, but I will say the one thing that I have this whole month tried to find ways to disassociate for 10 minutes here and there when I can. Um, and it's very difficult um, when you have Twitter brain like me. Um, and I went out this weekend to the DC protest where, you know, tens of thousands of people were there. And it is, you know, not to be a corny fuck, but like, it is nice to be and to be reminded that everyone is not a genocidal maniac. Like it is yeah. a very small group of people. And there is a overwhelming amount of people in these streets in DC, across the country, across the world, who are against what's happening right now, across racial, religious, every line, you know, I saw Filipino solidarity, I saw Bolivian solidarity, I saw Jewish solidarity at these rallies, let alone all the Muslim and Arab and South Asian folks there. And that gave me at least some cause. And I've seen so many kind of uh, folks on the ground in Gaza say that, you know, the only thing that is giving us hope is seeing that there are thousands marching across the world um, mm -hmm. in defense of Palestinian rights, because so often it feels like no one cares about our freedom or our dignity or our lives. And I think we have to keep doing that as we continue to press on the American empire to try and stop a genocide that they um, are actively funding. Um, I think we should at least have solace in that we are, you know, amongst so much more than what your Twitter replies may seem to indicate. I agree. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I, I'll just, yeah, put a, uh, like underscore that and say, I think a lot of like friendships are falling apart right now and a lot of difficult conversations are happening and maybe, you know, you're not going to talk to that person for a while. And I think that's okay. And I would just say, um, you can let that go and you're finding, and we are finding many, many more allies, um, around what maybe some would argue is politically, at least one of the harder topics to, to discuss and to agree on. And yet, seeing it so stark, which is truly just, I mean, it's always been this stark, but my God, it has never been more stark than now. It is also like, it's a, it's us to blow our little Ewok conch shell of the good people out there, you know, and just like, and see one another in the trees looking all adorable and be like, oh, okay, I didn't know you were an Ewok too. And you're like, okay, I didn't know you were, you were an Ewok too. And we're all like, and I mean, like, again, here, you know, in in Hollywood where I live no but like you know entertainers who are actually cool and people who I didn't know want and they folks want to talk about this more um and also like politicians I mean look I remember a few years ago when AOC was asked about Palestine she really didn't she wasn't good she wasn't good on the issue I think we've seen Jamal Bowman also not be great on the issue which is like makes total sense because it doesn't it's not actually relevant to the day-to-day -day, usually and i like that we're finally able to have these conversations as difficult and hard and like important as they are i'm like you know for me over here in california i'm like oh, well barbara lee barbara lee all the way like barbara lee you know forever and ever and ever it's going to be really tough against adam schiff but katie porter flirting with you know the prime minister not flirting but going to israel talking about the prime minister I forgot if it was Naftali Bennett at the time or if it was Netanyahu. I'm like, no, I'm cool on that. 
you know, like, so I, I like the silver lining is that sometimes the silver lines can also be the lines in the sand and that can be good. Um, you don't have to just cut people out, but we can also find new allies. This is a very corny way to end. Yeah. Um, also, like my kid just said, please this morning for the first Aww. time. One, and I was like, yes. I mean, that means like she's never going to disobey me ever. Usama. Of course, I, for I sure. You. Yeah. Just she said, please. I'm You're good. He's in that late for her anytime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, thank you so much for just like throwing down with me and tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, and and what you know what we can look forward to with Justice Dems. I know times have been rough, but we are so happy that that folks like yourself are still there. Um, and at least providing a space for us to think through these issues. Oh, please show me. <gasps> You do not have a tuxedo cat. I do have a tuxedo cat, and her name is Luna, and she's here for the end, and she is gone. Um, she's. A lovely... I have a tuxedo cat, and her oh. name is Ramona, and they are the best cats. She's wonderful. She's truly batshit crazy, um, <laughs> but we love her. Um... Wow. So you... neurodivergent, please. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> same um what did you ask where am i my name is usama Dravi. that's what my name is on every social um feel free to follow me there work at justice democrats and you know we are kind of full-throatedly expecting what is going to be another multi-million dollar campaign from the american israel public affairs committee the united democracy project and the democratic majority for israel who have all already put up ads against summerly jamal bowman and rashida talib um, and so, you know, we are here to defend these folks, especially now more than ever, these very principled few, mostly women of color and one man of color, um, who are defending the basic human rights of Palestinians, let alone the needs of working families in their district. And so please feel free to go to justicedemocrats.com and donate to support their campaigns. Um, I gotta yeah. say, I'm a little worried about Bowman. Like, I don't know shit about what's going on in his race. I just am worried. I, I think that whole weird shit with the, like, fire alarm, which was so dumb. And then um, just the fact that, like, he has a lot of, you know, conservative – well, not necessarily conservative. But he's got a big Jewish population in his district. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm – I don't know if you can, open, like, talk about who you're more concerned about. But I love – Representative Bowman and I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, we are frankly concerned about everyone that APAC is openly targeting, which is if you hear them talking about ceasefire and Palestinian human rights, that's who APAC is targeting. Um, right. Because they don't like that. And so, you know, I would say, even if you can't donate, a thing you can do is just show your, if you're in your districts, if you're in any of these people's districts, show that you support them, show that you stand with them despite all the vitriol, despite all the coordinated attacks that they're receiving what they need right now is to see that the people are with them um, to keep going. Well, I do think, you know, look, as, as I think right now when people are like, I don't believe in a lot of politicians, I'm kind of sick and grossed out by everything. It is important to know that the the 18 plus Congress members who've signed ceasefire letters, like, like uh, Osama saying, like, kick them some money, just even if it's a little bit, like every little bit helps. And, um, that's somewhere I think these are politicians we can um, hopefully invest in for the long run. And hey, maybe down the line when they're 80, they'll disappoint us around something. 
but until that time, we will believe in them and we will, yeah. Um, thank you so much again. Take very good care of Usama. Usama Andrabi, everybody follow him and Justice Dems. And thank you all for sticking around for being here through this um, intimate little show we've got going on. I didn't play a sketch. I can't believe I didn't play it. It was the best piece of, clip, of video I had for this show. I just got very distracted. But why don't we do that on Thursday instead of Friday, uh, Thursday, or I may try and stream Friday morning. TBD when we'll do the bonus bish, guys. But um, a few comments and then we'll fuck off into the afternoon. Um, Noble Nocturne Noble says on YouTube, we have to let Bernie go. I mean, I think so, too. I'm not I'm not trying to, like, go out with a fuck you. I gave you everything. Like, no, no, I just I'm letting him go. Uh, and, and this is a pretty big thing, you know. Um, let's see. Lenny Powers, check out Norman Finkelstein's reply to Bernie's interview. It's quite astute. Yeah. Norm Finkelstein is good. I think he's also a little, he's been on one for a while, but like, you know, he's, he's an important voice. Um, let's see. Code SM96. Fran, don't be deceived. Obama would have doubled down on support for Netanyahu, despite the differences. Very similar to how Biden was during the scandal on him. Um, maybe I think, you know, what's really fucked is Obama might've been, um, in his words, like just a little bit more like, uh, don't hit hospitals, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but he would have done, I mean, despite the daylight drawn between him and Netanyahu in Israel and the United States during Obama's time in office, you know, settlements continued. Like think there was, I mean, he was inaugurated during a war on Gaza. Um, there were many tests of his, you know, fealty and even though he met them, um, they couldn't forgive him because he did the Iran deal. I mean, this is, don't get me started. Like, I'm not saying Obama would have been better. But Obama would have at least not undid Obama's legacy. Do you know what I'm saying? So, like, when you do the Iran deal, you you reinstate the Iran deal, which would have, goes a long way in terms of easing tensions and calming things in the Middle East. You know, and Israel fucking hates the Iran deal. They hate that. So does Saudi Arabia. That's the whole point, right? So you like, that's the way, that's what I would say. I, 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 I hear you and I, I largely agree with you, but I think in some place cases, it would be different. Paper dragon, Obama increased the amount of money we give to Israel by $10 billion a year. Right. I mean, then there's that. I didn't say he is perfect. Um, Hef, thank you so much for your super chat. Um, no, we need Gal Gadot to give peace a chance to sing, give peace a chance. I mean, I, I, I think Gal Gadot singing, give peace a chance would be more useful than holding like a genocider only like exclusive screening of some Israeli propaganda. I mean, what is that going to be? Do you guys see this? She's going to have some sort of like event here in LA and like screen, you know, some film put out by Israel. Like I can only imagine it's just watching like the attacks on the 7th of October over and over and over again in some, you know, horribly like traumatic, re-traumatizing experience. Thank you, Camperman5000, for being a member uh, on YouTube. Your words matter, Frank. Keep up the good work. We appreciate your France and your commentary. They are France. Seven-month Fran girl, here's to seven more. Thank you so much. Javier Fernandez, thank you for marching in the streets later on. And yes, late bloomer, tuxedo cats are the best. Um, oh my God, late bloomer, what was her first word? Um, her first word was papa. That's right. 
don't have children, they will disappoint you. Um, Michael Gonzalez, Ewok is just the word woke mixed around. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, the fart song. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, I did actually get a tip on the tip machine. TBR Live on Venmo, TBR Live on Cash App. Um, and I just want to say a very, very special thank you to Randy Lucas. You've been so generous. And for that, you get the fart. Noble Nocturne, thank you for subscribing with Prime on Twitch. Frank Morning Tree, thank you so much. 23 months strong. Late Bloomer, thanks so much. Um, Flash Gordon, thank you. The Chicken Fried Chicken gave out five, or Fried Dragon gave out five community subs. That's amazing. Chicken Fried Dragon also resubscribed. Um, thank you to Marshall Ghetto, what's up? Says all the buttons and whistles. Aussie Plant Dragon also resubscribed. 26 months strong. Appreciate you. And no new patrons at $10 or more. I am getting word. I'm getting word. But if you, I see you, $5 patrons, thank you so much. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room. $10 gets you that shout out. You get so much good shit, discounts on merch and whatnot. I have, we have major exciting updates for the new year. Good things are happening in January, people. But until Thursday or Friday morning, um, um, fuck, fuck the fuck, fuck the fuck, fuck. Uh, thank you, Paige Omek. Thank you, Maximilian Inhofe. Thank you, Andy Vasoyan. Fight the power. Fuck the patriarchy. Free Palestine. And don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Bye.